All right, all right. Welcome back to another amazing episode of Open Relationships Transforming Together. My name is Andrea Miller, and I am joined by co-host Joanna Schroeder and our amazing producer, Brian Adkins. And we are doing this show because there is a relationship crisis happening in America. There is so much hurt and heartache. And if you're like, nah, not me, I'm just going to say, gosh, are you able to talk to the people that you love most, maybe about difficult political differences? Or, gosh, do you feel like um, you have to swallow things that you want to talk about because you just feel like um, somebody can't necessarily hear it? There are so many ways for us to be more open in our relationships. In way, and, and these are the things that help us heal and thrive as human beings. And it is profoundly important. So that's why we're doing this show. We're so glad you've tuned in. We've got an amazing guest. Her name is Jordan Reed. And with no further ado, we would love to introduce Jordan. We've got a great show teed up. So here's Jordan. Yep, we have her waiting right here in the lobby and we can connect her in in just a second. <laughs> Yay. There she is. <laughs> Welcome, wow. Jordan Reed. Uh, Jordan Reed is an online creator who helped pioneer the early electrifying culture of personal blogging. She created the super popular lifestyle website Ramshackle Glam in 2009 and is followed by hundreds of thousands of people worldwide. Jordan is one of the earliest high profile victims of online takedown culture who transitioned into writing super successful best-selling mental health books like The Big Activity Workbook for Anxious People. Jordan has a surprising little-known history with one of the longest-running TV shows in the U.S., which we will come back to, and so much more. Welcome, Jordan. Yay! Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yeah, we're so happy to have you here. Um, Okay, you went from going to Harvard for cognitive neuroscience to becoming a very popular online influencer. You share your, your writing is beautiful and compelling. You share a ton about yourself that's so relatable and hilarious and inspiring and heartbreaking. And you have paid a huge, brutal price for it. What happened to you in, in all of that? And what does that have to do with bullying in today's cancel culture? Oh, goodness gracious. That's a big question. Um, so I was an actress after after Harvard. I went to L.A. and I became an actress and um, found it uh, meant, uh, emotionally challenging, let's just say. Uh, and I ended up realizing that I think the reason I had wanted to be an actress wasn't so much that I loved acting. It was more like actors to me seemed to be listened to. It seemed like when they said something like the magazines paid attention or whatever. And that I found that very appealing, the idea of just having someone hear what I had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went into blogging in a kind of, it was before, I didn't even know what a blog was when I signed up to do this, except for Perez Hilton. Um, I had a friend explain to me what a hyperlink was. Um, I, like I wrote my first blog post on a computer and printed them out and had them in a binder just to like, you know, like it was very analog. Um, and then it just, it really did take off, but as it took off, it was also the very early era of sort of online trolling, which we, 
you know, nowadays we understand what it means when people are you know, haters online. I think we have a better cultural understanding of of why why the the distance provided by a computer screen gives people the ability anonymity or, along with anonymity, anonymity, right? Exactly, and they can say. Obviously, these are the most vicious things, but that's not news anymore. We all know this, and it, you know, people still say things about me. I, I, I promise you, I could not possibly care less. Like, bring it. Like, thank there's, God. No, there's, I've Good heard for it. you. Am I ugly? Yeah, I've heard it. My dumb heard it. Am I a bad parent? Yes, I know. I've heard it. <laughs> um, and uh, but in the beginning, it felt like it really was about me. Right. There was there weren't that many people doing what I did. And there was this site that um, it is, it's called Get Off My Internets Now. It's probably the most prominent like internet hater site. But in the beginning, mm. when it was first created, it was called Reblogging Ramshackle Glam, which was my site. Yeah. Oh my so God. This woman, I, had, I did not know that. Oh my God. You, you triggered people. What the heck? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, but the things they were making fun of were like her recipes, dumb. Like her, oh, God. stupid. Oh, oh, like, pain. I know, but it was like, but it was literally every single thing and it was every day, all day long. And that was during a time I was pregnant with my first son and they were going after like how I'd be a terrible mother. And that is a, that's a hard thing to read about when you're terrified of being a terrible mother because you've never done it before. Did you read, Um, did you, what did you do? Did you read, you read everything? Because I would have been like, "Ah, no, I don't think I care about that. I mean, I don't I, know. Yeah, I haven't been there. I had to. It felt it felt mm-hmm. like there were people slamming on my windows, and I had to at least like see who they were mm-hmm. and like understand the threat. Uh, when you yeah, from a back, biological uh, perspective, yeah. yes, your brain yes. thinks threat. I need to be aware of this threat, and so I can protect myself. Yes, so that morning that I had my son, I remember uh, they took him and they put him in the, you know the nursery so I could have a nap, and I started to lay down, and then I went. <gasps> And I was like, oh, my God, I put his name on my Facebook page, uh, my private lockdown Facebook page. I put, like, welcome, River. And they had already uh, got – someone had gotten his, um, like, Twitter handle or something. And it was already making fun of him. And oh. and, and, it, and it was just – it does. And when you're in the hormones and everything, it just it felt like being under physical attack. Yeah, you you're under assault. Does have ha, – you have two kids, so – are yeah. they aware of what you've gone through? Can they do they find these this archived information about you? Um, I talk I've talked about it with them extensively because uh-huh. um, and it was funny. Like I, I've been bringing it up with them since they were little. Like why do we think people are mean online, or why oh, do we think people yeah. are mean in person? Yeah, and it's all it's generally because something feels bad in the person who's being mean. It's about them, right? It's like it is it so, be, and, yeah. and it's hard. You've got to be like a guru to say it's them, not me. Right. And I feel like that's well, been sure. your, your journey. You know, it's like not, not which, cratering, you know? Well, it's, which doesn't mean that I'm perfect and there's nothing assailable about me. It means that if someone can get to the point where they need to verbally attack a stranger, it doesn't mean that they're not right. It just means that's, yeah. a, that's a wild thing to do. That's that balance of like, and I had to learn that writing publicly too, was it's like, you have to have like a filter. Some of it does sometimes have to seep in because I've mm-hmm. been wrong. You've been wrong. We've said things wrong. We have ways we can grow. But the hardest thing is figuring out what to filter out and what to let in because 
Wait, you can't sit there worrying about, oh my gosh, I'm going to wear this new lipstick and someone's going to do 400 memes about my face. But it, yeah. But there are parts you got to take in. After, yeah, you want to hear a story about the time I broke the internet? Yes, yes. please. Um, so I drove, I decided to uh, document our cross-country move from New York to San Jose. And uh, we went through the South and we went through um, the hot springs in Arkansas and like up, up through Santa Fe. So while we're in Arkansas, I decided um, that I would write about racism in the deep South. This was not hang on, a story. What year are we talking about? Like, are we it talking 2015? Was not okay. a great time for me to be oops. writing about this. Yeah, oops. So uh, I got, I mean, I had to like take down my site for it because it was just this like, like wave of, and it was, it was like, how dare you write about this? Or how dare you not know about this? Or how, and what it came down to is I got this one comment from a woman who was a longtime reader. And she was like, Jordan, this is a really offensive article. Mm. But let me explain why. Mm. And she was like, the reason why is that nobody needs to hear it from you. Yeah. Mm, Nobody needs a liberal girl, like a little white girl from New York City, strolling into Arkansas and opining on the state of race relations. Let me ask you, what was your intention? Because to me, that's so important. Like what, you know, and I I understand people saying, well, you, you don't have it. It's not in your place. But part of me even wants to push back on that. Like what, what, like, What's your intention, right? Because maybe what that you is say, how I pushed back. That's how I felt at first. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry, I'm I'm writing about what I am experiencing in the world. And that's the point of my site. But this woman got through to me, and she was like, "It's great. Write about your experience. Don't write about this. You don't know enough. You are not the voice that people need to hear about this. Sit back. Let someone else have a platform on your site if you choose." Mm-hmm. And that, and that was a really powerful realization, and that's actually shaped a lot of my subsequent work because when you're a content creator uh, for, you know, I was for 12 years, you're writing, writing. I wrote every single day for 12 years. Wow. And that's a lot of, that's a lot of words. And eventually <laughs> I was like, God, I am so sick of hearing from myself. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I don't really blog up that much anymore. Right. Because if I say something, I want it to be for a reason. Mm-hmm. Not just to hear myself talk, and then you know, I might not be the best voice for all topics. And, and that's fair, and that's wisdom, right? And I, what I love about your story is that you are wise enough to say, well, you know what? Some of those criticisms were warranted, even if they were they came from a bullying place. Like that is a superpower to me, right? For people to be able to say, oh yeah, I'm also mm-hmm. flawed and human. It's mm-hmm. just you're doing it so much more publicly. Usually we hear it from our spouses or our kids or, you know, coworkers yeah. or whatever. No, but I, I really, I do, I do admire that. But I, I am, I find that really interesting. So it's like as a, you know, and I, I, again, I appreciate your, your sensitivity to the feedback that you got about writing about racism in the deep South. But part of me says, Ooh, isn't that what's getting us, uh, you know, into cancel culture and anti-wokeism and all this stuff where it's like, People with sincere intentions are curious or sharing a point of view. And it's kind of like, it it feels like it's kind of like, it it feels like that is the intolerance that we're trying to, um, um, you know, weed out of our world. I don't know. It just, it feels like it's a double-edged sword to me. I do feel like we've 
evolved a little bit too in that at that point in 2015 there were so many people saying things like that in order to just shine the light on themselves exactly and that was never great Mm -hmm. and then probably a lot of people got pushback for seeming like they did that even though they had good intentions and I, I feel like now and and because I've had it happen to me online that now people are more willing to be like, hey, here's where you screwed up. And then if you're like, oh, man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I feel like people now back off more. But yes, certainly yeah. in 2015, 2011, holy smokes, you were ruined forever. And that never got e- for ever, everything. Anymore. And like, yes. Yeah. Well, but you know what? I think there's also, so, you know, the rise of like therapy speak and we're all like better at that now. And we all know what boundaries mean and everything. And like the Jonah yeah. Hill thing, I was, I would love that story. It was just, just well, hang on, mm, tell the Jonah Hill me. story because I don't think everybody oh, knows God. that. Oh, so Jonah Hill, um, his ex-girlfriend published these screenshots of messages he had sent her that were like, my boundaries include you not surfing with men, um, not having friendships with women who are problematic, um, and not wearing skimpy bathing suits and posting your photos on Instagram, and those are my boundaries, and if you can't respect those, that... And I was like, ooh, sir, those are boundaries. That's control. Those are those are control issues. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh and, and she was she was literally like an Instagram model. And a, uh, like, and a surfer. A surf like, teacher. Yeah. yeah. She was a, surf, a surfing Instagram model. So he was like, Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah like um, yeah, totally uh stop your life to be my girlfriend. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. so uh the rise of this like greater awareness of therapy speak has been difficult in those situations, but like, like when I apply, when I talk to my ex husband now, instead of being like, "Well, you're wrong, you're this, you're that," I think it it has it's it's similar to what we were talking about with like a ability to take criticism. And there, the answer is just listening. I oh. think just being like, "Wait, okay, wait, you're upset." Instead of going straight into defense, like I'm allowed to write about whatever I want. I'm allowed to write about racism in the South, or uh, it's wait, wait, wait. What are you feeling? Like, what are you thinking? Mm. Can you explain yeah. that more to me? Mm. I love it. Because people just want to be heard. Even internet trolls. I've been yes. I've engaged with some of them. And and I am, uh, I was writing partners for years with a woman who I met because she was a troll of mine on the internet. Oh, no way. Oh, yeah. Love that. I love that turnaround. Started talking and communicating. And now we're, I just visited her in New York. Oh my gosh, that is such a great story. It just gives me hope. And I, I feel like what you're saying is so core to our show, this whole um, you know, deficit in our world of listening and being sincerely curious, right? Here on open relationships, we're really sincerely, we are on a freaking mission. I'm trying not to say the real F word. <laughs> I'm like, oh, try oh, not oh, to. Oh, good. Okay, I won't either. I mean, no, you can, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, I'm going to start to offend people. So I'm trying not to. Um, no, but the whole, the whole idea, and it, we always say someone has to go first. Love and openness starts with me, right? So I love, I love, love. I just give you such big props for having the courage to, you know, to grow up emotionally and to say, oh, it's on me to listen. Oh, it's on me to be curious. And and what a gift to to have that that experience where you end up endearing yourself to the troll. Like, isn't that, in fact, my my, we just had an experience with my son. He and his Spanish teacher, like, totally got off on the wrong foot, blah, 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 like weird tangent. But man, my 13-year-old, he figured it out and now they're pals. And I just feel like 
I, I love to, to highlight these stories because so often I feel like the instinct is I have an enemy and I'm going to hold on tight to the enemy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm going to yes. insist on the enemy. And it's like, no, don't do that. It's poison to our hearts and minds to have that judgment Absolutely. and resistance, Absolutely. right? It feels like a yeah. very Generation X or elder millennial kind of thing, too, because we are I'm very quick to be self-protective. So like if someone's coming at me or someone's criticizing me, my first instinct is like, F you, I'm fine. Leave me alone. And I kind of assume the worst. And I think it's self-protective. OK. And I wonder if now that softness, it's scary. It's scary to be vulnerable like that. But I very wonder if scary. that softness comes from like a more authentic strength or feeling like you're more secure. Gosh, I think so. I think so. I think the knee jerk, the knee jerk defensiveness is something that I like even with my parenting, like if my kid like when I was when I was younger and they were younger, I was a lot more like, stop crying. Like, what's that? And that was something I had to consciously be like, wait, 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 wait. What's going on? There's a need. Tell me. That's awesome. Yeah. And and that is not something I had the capacity to do before and it was very much time you to had control. to learn like, you're crying this is not right. what i want to be happening yeah, right yeah, now but but that's the whole point i mean i feel like that's we get to reparent each other okay i got this great uh meme or quote this morning uh from somebody and it's just perfect for this your immediate reaction does not tell you who you are it is how you decide to respond after the reaction that gives you real insight into how much you have grown your first reaction is your past your intentional response is your present and uh that was written by young pueblo and it's like that's it that's how we grow up emotionally yeah. and i feel like as parents yep. especially as moms like oh what a gift to to get it right and to keep practicing getting it right and showing oh. your kids how to get it wrong and then how to say sorry and get it right right isn't that and a i gift? love that you're that doing that so? with your ex-husband yeah. we never yeah. hear about ex-husbands like we never yeah. hear about how well, to except for what jerks they are <laughs> yeah, yeah. You never hear about how to be a better co-part, co-parenting partner with your ex-husband in a way that makes you more vulnerable. Less. Yeah, that was that a big, big, big shift for us. So, uh, with my ex, we were we were obviously very contentious when we broke up because it tends to get to that kind of point when you break up marriage. Um, but the big turning point for me in our relationship was stopping and realizing oh, did I play in this? And not to self-flagellate and be like, I'm terrible, he's great. No, it's just it's just two people. And he hurt me, I hurt him. And just the willingness to listen to each other. And I've said to him, I am sorry. I am so sorry that I hurt you in these ways. And, it, you know, and it feels so much better. It feels, and it's so good for the kids. Well, I want to I, I just want to tease out that little nugget that you just kind of snuck in there. What you what you have done is is have been accountable and to me that is the path to freedom and it is the only path to freedom, right? If we continue to tell ourselves that everything we're doing is just fine, it prevents growth, right? Don't you think? And it prevents intimacy, right? Because if everything I'm doing is just fine and it's you you you, I mean that's like we're dehumanizing ourselves, but it takes a lot of effing courage to do what 
you have done. So big props. Well, I struggle Lauren. with, you know, the difference between accountability and living in shame. Uh, so that's where no. I have to be careful and not to okay. go so far into being willing where you to dehumanize yourself, admit right? my yep. faults that I'm like, oh my God, I am awful. Mm-hmm. So that that is a balance that I think is important to find. I want to, I, I love your writing, Jordan. You are such a beautiful writer and funny and just like, oh, I want to be friends with her. So here we are. Um, but I want to read this in, in you speaking about the heartache of your divorce and props to you and your ex and what a gift to give to your kids. Um, but I, I love this and I felt like it was so, oh, it, it really hit me in the chest and I'm, I'm sure it'll hit others. So you said, I do not know how to be alone. I've jumped from relationship to relationship my entire adult life. I want someone, anyone, to help me through this because I'm not sure I know how to make myself feel better all on my own. I've never really had to do it. I told Francesca this last night after the kids went to bed and the house was quiet and the sadness came in and smacked me in the face. I said I was furious with myself for feeling so stupid lonely for wallowing in self-pity when really shouldn't I be Cher dancing in the kitchen? Reference to that movie. Mermaid. Mermaid, thank you. You know what Francesca said? She said that the journey I'm on isn't about making a new life, in quotes, or in quotes, finding happiness again. It is both those things to some extent, but really it's about figuring out how to love myself by myself. Have you done that? Not yet, but I'm closer. There was this woman I met on a retreat um, shortly after I got divorced. And we were, it was like a women's writer retreat thing. And I was there to speak. Um, and I i was like this shell-shocked little new divorcee. Like it just, I cried through my whole talk. It was like super professional. Um, <laughs> and we went so on a walk real. in the woods. Good. Oh, so embarrassing. And But this this woman was like, hey, you know what I do when I'm feeling really bad? She was like, I picture my future self, the me that, you know, me 20 years from now, 25 years from now. And I picture that me holding myself as I am right mm-hmm. now. And then I can go back and think about myself when I was younger and I can realize I'm holding me now. I am holding that younger version of myself. And I am telling her, your your most amazing moments haven't even happened yet and i can know that that's true Where? because my future self is telling me the same thing right now oh that is Does that so, make sense yeah no it's compelling i mean i think similarly it's like ooh, the best you know i'm on a major personal journey too and i keep like every day it's like ooh, the best is yet to come and it's like oh goodness we need the grief and the failure and the heartbreak that's- to help us i i feel like ultimately figure it all out. But I, I take your point. I think it's a really good one. Finding that fine line between, I mean, you described shame and accountability, but I would even add there there is something um, perversely familiar with the grief and the heartache. And I feel like it takes a lot of courage and wisdom, right? Because I feel like you you move out of grief too fast and 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 then you find yourself back there saying, what the bleep? You know, I thought I was done with yeah. this, yeah. you know, or if you, you know, and you're listening to the, you know, those sad songs that just, you know, kind of make you feel like, oh, gosh, it just somehow it feels so good. 
but then you're feeling kind of alone and isolated. So it just, it does feel like it's this very personal decision, very personal unfolding for, for when to say, okay, I'm, I'm really ready to move on now versus no, I need a little bit longer to, you know, to, to go into my grief and into my heartbreak and loss enough so that I actually can move on. Have you had that? I mean, have you kind of grappled with that? Uh, so right, right after we split up, I was like, I need to, I have like 30 seconds left before <laughs> I, I turn into the crypt keeper. And <laughs> I, also I live in yeah. you know, LA. So, okay. Right. Right. I was like, yes. Um, but so I just threw myself into dating and, and was mm. constantly and like had a succession of, you know, extremely short term boyfriends <laughs> who were disappointing for various reasons. Um, I haven't dated in 18 months mm. and I was feeling really like, God, like I, I have got to like stop hiding in my house. But I talked to a friend and she was like, may I venture that you have lived many lives in the past 42 years. And maybe this is a moment where you're gaining the strength. You're resting up. Just let yourself rest up. Yeah. It's okay. And then I went on a date the other night and it was terrible. So now I oh, my- you're like, okay, <laughs> let me take that advice. Rest up a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit more. But I think that, I, mean, I feel like that is so much of what we, you know, we seekers and we, you know, Joanna and I have talked at length about the hurt and heartache from our uh, respective upbringings and um, living in, in families with a lot of addiction and alcoholism and so forth and how that shapes you and shapes your life and how you eventually say, hey, I don't I don't want this anymore and I don't want it for my kids. I don't want it for me, you know, for anything. But it feels like it really is having to trust yourself to know when should I rest up to your point and and when is it time to say no mas. I'm ready to take that that step forward. And I don't I mean, I don't know if there's yeah. an easy answer. I feel like it's trying to trying to we well, each have to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you can you can twist it and view it as a rebellion. Rest is a rebellion in our society. Oh, it is. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah. When I gave up, I gave up my my kids when they were little. I was like, they have to be in all the sport, all the things. And like every yeah. day was like music or dance, or, and they were miserable. They yeah. hated it. I hated it. It was expensive, and <laughs> during COVID, everything went away. And now, like you know, they do a couple things, but I'm just not. I, you know, I, I feel inadequate as a mom because I see my friends' kids like entering piano competitions in China mm-hmm. or wherever. And I'm like, oh, I just want to let them be kids oh, and let them yeah, figure out where, where they want to spend their time. Yes. And, you know, the holidays, it's like you go on, in, don't go on Instagram during the holidays. Mm-hmm. Just don't delete. <laughs> You're like, everyone looks gorgeous and they're going to parties. <laughs> you know what I did last Sunday? I played this game called Geometry Dash for six hours. Geometry wow. Dash. Six hours with my kids on the couch. I did nothing. It was oh, amazing. That and I don't feel bad about amazing. it. Amazing. That is, and it's awesome. nice to tell them it is okay to rest yeah. well, and to have fun. And so I want to ask you about comparison cultures. So this is something that we at Your Tango have been really passionately digging into, doing research around, advocating mm-hmm. for, not to stop it because we know there's something very insidious and almost instinctive but to raise awareness around it so when when people find themselves comparing they go oh I know what's happening there and are more empowered to you know to if you will um 
deal with it, I guess. And so I would love your take on comparison culture. Is this something that you've had to, I mean, you're an influencer. Is this something you felt like you've had to grapple with more than the average bear? Uh, I, probably. I mean, I, I, uh, when I first started uh, really leaning into like really just making a fantastic living off of influencing and like getting the really mm-hmm. big contracts. This, this would have been like 2013 to 17 or in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actively refused to like look at any other, you know, influencers, websites mm-hmm. or Instagrams. Cause every time I did, I was like, oh my God, I am doing everything. I'm wrong. not doing enough. All right. Or I'm doing I everything need... wrong. Right. That those well, they terrible were all supermodels. Yeah. Like yeah. at the time it was like the rise of like the super rich mm-hmm. tall and with the Vogue, they had like Vogue layouts on their websites. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really believe that the reason I was able to do pretty well for some extended period of time was that, um, I just did my own thing and it was, oh, it was yeah. painted by, um, you know, a desire to like keep up with the Joneses that way. And now I'm not doing it anymore, but when I got divorced, I remember looking at, I had to like unfollow all these accounts that my assistant had followed when she was mm-hmm. running my, my social mm-hmm. were like, you know, happy family, a lot of Mormon moms. Oh, God bless. But mm-hmm. are you Mormon? And oh, but there's a lot of Mormon <laughs> mom influencers. It's a thing. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay, got and it. we it's have not thing. indoctrinated Andrea into the Mormon mom world yet, but oh, now I feel late. like we should. <laughs> We have, yeah, it's, we, we, they we have talk about gillions of followers. Oh, wow. And, and, but they're, and like, it's like the perfect house and all the perfect. families and the matching onesies and the blonde or yeah. all blonde. Oh my God. And, I can't stand those people. <laughs> and I was like, I have to, I'm like sitting here, like a little husk of a person, like wondering oh. if my children are okay. And I just was like, I have to unfollow all of yeah. these people yeah. that are making me feel so bad about myself. Yeah. And I told my friend about that and she was like, well, that's Jordan, that's you. And I was like, what? And she was like, maybe not in that way or to the same extent, but that's the content you've been putting out for 10 Ooh, years. Spank. So you she make people feel real. that way too. Well, not yeah. me. I was like, real, but not me. Well, I still have it a little bit, Jordan. Like when I see you on Instagram and it's good that we see each other at school drop off. So we know what we really look like. Right. So <laughs> But when I see you on Instagram, I'm like, oh, God, Jordan's so beautiful. And look how and fun cool. she is. And she did this fun and little. stylish. Out- yeah. Yeah. And it's going on. See, yeah, I don't feel that, that way at all. That is. Yeah. But we do. We curate our lives. And, and I've had people say to me, like, oh, my gosh, how are you doing all the things you're doing? How are you balancing it on? You keeping it together? I'm like, yo, I am not keeping it together. <laughs> it's real bad. It's so bad over here. Yeah. Like, just out of frame, <laughs> you should see the pile of dirty laundry. It's right there. Yeah, right, right oh, behind her, right behind that. Towards the end, when I was doing the blog thing, where I started uh, doing photo series, where I would do the the photo that I was, you know, whatever I was mm-hmm. photographing, and then I would just include photos like in a three sixty around oh, it at the God bottom bless of the post. You. I just love to be like, that. We need some yeah. of those. Well, for, that's for comparison yeah. culture, and that's yeah. The our campaign, and and we'll uh, we will love to indoctrinate and uh, you know just endear uh, our cause with you. But our our hashtag is, as we launch this, keep it real. And we are asking people who are active on social media, yeah, share that really fun, curated, perfect picture, but also keep it real. Like, I, I love to tell the story of I, I took my son to see the Chiefs play the Broncos. It was a big effing disaster because the Chiefs didn't score in the second half and there wasn't even a touchdown. Um, but we had the picture perfect moment in the jerseys and at the Broncos stadium and it's snowing. 
But like three hours before that, you know, he was being an entitled 13 year old. And I shouted at him. And by the way, I don't advocate for shouting at children or anybody. I was shouted at a lot as a kid. And so I just, oh, but I feel like I shouted this morning. Thing. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for keeping it real. No, it really, <laughs> it, it, it's so hard to get all these children out the door, even when they're big. In, in oh, yes. God, in the morning. You, the like, mornings are so yeah, hard. Do you hear my voice? Do you hear my voice raising? Do you hear the tension yes, in my yeah, voice? I'm trying not to. Get, that's fine. I'm getting to that place. And then I get to that place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm so Understood. I'm trying so hard not to, but I I really applaud that, and I applaud your friend. Again, open relationships. Our mission here is to help people find ways to be more open and tell those hard truths. And I just applaud your friend for saying that to you because it can be hard. I mean, I feel like not it can be. It is hard to have those scary conversations, but that's I feel like what people that really care about each other to help us see. I like to call it the BS, the 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 BS, the blind spot the belief system, right? That is often preventing us from, you know, being being as fulfilled and content and joyful as we can be as human beings. I mean, having those blind spots, it's an impediment. And so I think, you know, props to your pal for saying, you know what, Jordan? You know, that was that that's what you did. And I, you know, I again, there are so many people that follow you that obviously love not just your great style and, you know, kind of cool effect, but you know, you, you have something like Gosh, I don't think we're going to get through it all today, but what you've talked about in terms of things that are so hard and so personal, like anorexia, anxiety, you know, so much doubt around parenting. I mean, I feel like as a mom, like that's almost the worst. And that kind of starts, I feel like, to fill a a, a weird um, cycle. Like, why do we, why are we so hard on ourselves as moms? Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, does that, do, do you feel like you're hard, really hard on yourself as a mom? <laughs> I mean, I know you do, but I guess I just have to ask the rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm real hard on myself. Um, yeah, that to me uh, over time became the mission of my site. Mm -hmm. per my personal mission was to, I, I guess people are like, how do you talk about those things? I'm like, I don't know. How do you not? Yeah, how right. do you not? Like, how, how, how do you not? I'd like, I know that I overshare and I know that when I meet someone new, I'm like, bro. And like, mm -hmm. just tell them all like the the stuff because I don't really see the points of we're sending out your representative and what, why? Like, what's the sending point? Sending out I, I, your I, representative. That's a good phrase. Oh, I, I love dating. that. Yes. Too. I'm like, like this bad date I went on. I'm like, I know, I know how to send out my representative. I know how to shove people, <laughs> you know, and I'm just not. I'm oh my god! Not that's so going to giggle at you anymore? Yeah, I'm yeah. Not. I'm just going to yeah. be a person who dresses like myself and who has a conversation and doesn't like turn on the whatever. We're, you know, I know what works, and I'm not doing it anymore. But don't you feel yeah. like that's so endemic? And not to generalize, but I'm going to generalize a little bit here. I mean, I feel like as women, so often we default into that people pleasing. We default into a kind of a making it okay for other people right and i Remember. feel like that ends up causing all sorts of maladies in our lives because then we're not able to be true to ourselves right because we're trying to you know we're trying to make somebody else feel comfortable and we're sending out that representative but it's we're sacrificing ourselves in the meantime and it takes a lot of effing courage i feel like to really be true to yourself and own yeah. it all then if he rejects so much and it's not yeah sorry Claire. 
Yeah, then it's not always good feedback. You, he rejects <laughs> you. Yes. Yeah, better that's to be hard to have thing. the real that's, thing represent. Wait, you guys, rejected. that's what happened to me. I haven't been on a date in 18 months. I'm going to show up purely as myself. This man could not have gotten out of there faster. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I was dying. I was laughing so hard on the way home. I <laughs> like, how did you meet oh. him? So let's get a little, let's get a little juice here. Raya, like the fancy dating app. Oh, sorry, which one? I think my pictures are that. Raya, it's just the fancy date. Okay, I didn't, you can see I'm so out of that world, I've never even heard of it. (laughs) I mean, we sat down. Ten minutes later, he's like, so I have to pick up my friend at the airport. Oh my God. Oh, that's a good, uh, oh, forget the pickup line. We are, we here on Open Relationships, we're going to start coining the drop-off line. (laughs) Okay, oh, gotta go. I gotta pick up my friend at the airport. Like, in the airport's so... in, um, you know, San Diego. Oh my! <laughs> so what do you think? He, so you showed your real self, and 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 you and I have so much in common. But we both can make anybody love us, and we both can push anybody away. This is our like special gift, right? Like I'm comfortable <laughs> being unpopular, but I'd really rather have you love me. But I can do both. So yep. you're showing him your authentic self. What do you think it is about, let's not just say him, but maybe men in general when they're dating around our age, what what is it that they don't like? What scares them? I don't know. It is like a fully, just having a fully realized person who isn't going to flatter and and blink at you. And like, like, like I said, all those things, I know exactly how to do them. I did them for years mm-hmm. and I cannot stomach it anymore. Oh, like, good for I you. I don't want to show you why I'm so cute. I want you to tell me why yeah. you are worthy of my time. Amen, sister. Amen. So, but I don't think, I don't think men have, especially in LA, I don't think they have to do that. I think there's just the plethora yeah. of, of options who are much less complicated and, or they seem less complicated because the reality is the other people who are bringing their represent, representative to the date um, they are going to get to know that real person eventually too. And there's going to be a problem because I've never met anyone who's not complicated. It's just that mm-hmm. some of us here in this room right now, all three of us, <laughs> just wear it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those ones that are so good at seeming simple on the outside and seeming charming and perfect, it's a mess inside. Because we're mm-hmm. all a mess inside. Oh, right. When I seem, I, I did seem like I was like, I have it all together. I wrote mm-hmm. a yeah. book, uh, like about like having it together as a mom, which I'm yeah. so embarrassed about. I would never recommend that book to anybody. You can recommend recommend my other books, but not that one. Um, <laughs> and it was it was just a sham. I was you know dealing with like you know appearing on TJ Maxx billboards, and then I would like be awake at. 4 a.m. thinking of death and like talking oh. to a banana that I would hallucinate lived in my cupboard because I had oh, such bad Lord. insomnia that I wouldn't sleep oh. for like three days in a row. Really not okay, but everything seemed okay. And the reason I I remember in the wake of um, my daughter's birth was when I was like, you know what? I am not, I cannot pretend anymore. And that's when mm-hmm. I started writing about, I think the first really like open post I wrote was about my decision to go on um, Zola. Mm. 
And at the time, now I feel like there's so much more, so much more acceptance. And oh yeah, no, conversation that, that took health. a lot of guts to do that. that at the time, it was mm-hmm. it was like people are like, "You're going to lose sponsors." Like people are not going to mm. want to work. Which it was like a really big deal. But at the same time, it was like, "Who am I helping by right, by, like pretending that this facade is real life?" Well, yeah. and that's what I, I just, I, I admire about you. It's what we try to do at your tango and obviously on this show. It's like, I feel like we give each other sincerely the greatest gift like by being courageous and keeping it real and telling the truth. And I feel like the more we all practice that, the more it, it makes it okay for other people, right? And I, I think there are a lot of people and, you know, obviously through the comments and so forth, you can see how many lives you've positively impacted because you had the courage to tell the truth. And you, I mean, and and I feel like that's how we affect change, like real change, right? That like cool. showing like showing up not as one dimensional people pleasers, which is what is so effing dehumanizing, but it's also how I feel like so many of us have been acculturated instead to say, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be who I really am. And and it's not going to please everybody, but that's okay because yeah. I'm doing it for myself and I'm doing it for my kids, especially for your daughter, but also for your son. Mm-hmm. So your son will will attract whether I don't you know whether he likes men or women, it doesn't matter. He'll like somebody. My hope and my expectation is that's like his mom who keeps it real. Yeah, can I? Yeah, oh, <laughs> the thought of, I know. And wait, the thought of him dating someone like me, I'm like, would he get along? <laughs> well, guys, here's the thing. I have children that are dating. Okay. Yeah. So my oldest, who's an adult, he he seems to really like girls that cause him problems. And uh, I <laughs> I was like, and he, he he's not big problems, but little problems. And I was like, can't you just find like a cool, nice, chill girl? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, or are you like need something a little more exciting? And he's like, yeah. I wonder why, and just like pointing <laughs> at the air around me, and I was like, "Of course, he's not gonna like a cool, chill girl, because there's nothing chill happening in our house. Like, not yeah. for one minute of that would, any that would day. be like, what's happening? Who is this yeah. alien? Yeah. But what I'm hoping is that he's seen, and all my kids have seen, how I've been working in the last few years to be a better partner and bring some chill. Like, I know they're going to make mistakes and be attracted to people who are a mess or whatever and they're gonna be comfortable with a mess because their mother's a mess but i also hope that they By are way, you are not a mess okay can i just I chime was, in and I say you are you guys are just working in progress i <laughs> you are not a mess thank you you are not a mess you are so I, successful and loving and amazing but go on thank please. you i love you guys but but for real i want them to be able to see me being like you guys i know i lost my shit i'm so sorry i'm so stressed okay. about real my book deadline i'm so stressed about how late we are and how much the principal judges me or whatever it is and i hope they expect that from a partner too mm-hmm. right yeah they learn to take yeah. accountability but i hope they learn yes. to expect accountability yeah yes but yes that, i mean that, that's, that's, that's hard, the biggest totally that, that what you just said like i i i snapped at my son the other day Screaming like in a way yeah. that I haven't really mm. been here. Oh, it's so hard. And huh? it, 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 and he like welled up and he's not a cry. I was like, oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. Immediately, it's like, hey, A, totally unacceptable of me to ever talk yeah. to you that way. Mm-hmm. B, 
it was and I was like it was coming from it was he was roughhousing with the dog and the dog was I was like the dog's gonna end up biting him or he's gonna end up hurting the dogs dog whatever mm-hmm. and I was like it was coming from a place of feeling out of control and you not sure? knowing how to stop what I knew was going to end up with someone that I care uh-huh. about getting uh-huh. hurt uh-huh. and that's not the right way to do it right but that's where it was right. coming from and I'm so sorry and done done wow. I mean I just like no one in my life talked to me that way when I was a kid yeah yeah, we Apologies? would never have had. Me? Yeah, never. We couldn't have had anybody never. be accountable to us like that. And that is, and I also think about those families where what if they are acting Sorry. perfect on the inside? That's okay. What if some of those families we see online are acting perfect? Like, what if that thing we're seeing is what's happening inside? Like, let's just pretend that's possible. Maybe it is. What's going to happen when that kid who's never seen his parents argue? That kid's also never seen his parents make up. The kid that's never been snapped at has also never seen anybody have to take accountability for snapping. So I'm not saying it's good that we make mistakes. Obviously, we try not to, but they are getting a real lived experience and knowing how to make up, how to say they're sorry, how to make amends and how to do better. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. And this, again, is why I think it's so important to talk about all the crap. Because you're, it's we're sharing techniques. I remember um, writing about uh, like money, like you know, nobody talks about money, especially yes. like your friends. It's just like a yes. Thing. Um, well, but I feel like people do again more now. But when I in you know 2012, I was like, why are you talking about money? Like mm-hmm. I want my friends to tell me how they're buying a house, like how mm-hmm. someone yes. helps, like like what are you making? How are you doing this? Like how I want to know how they have those Bottega handbags. I want to understand handbag. Yeah, I yeah, I want to understand, and I love that they have them. I'm happy for you, but can you just tell me how you? But hey, I'm that no, I, can tell you, I can tell you where to get a good fake. Listen, I, well, <laughs> but I, I do feel like I mean the data that when we did the your tango did the comparison culture study, something that emerged is how many people are spending way outside of their means to 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 do that and yeah there are some people that that are very affluent very well to do god bless you people birkin bags you know go for it although that just seems crazy to me um but i do think they're you know i feel like that it's like fake right like you can't afford it yet you're you know you've got this thing maybe you did spend five thousand dollars and maybe it pleases yourself i'm not saying it's just for other people but it just it does feel like it is there's more to the picture. And I feel like that's back to comparison culture. Hey, look at my fancy handbag. Oops, don't look at my bank account. You know what I mean? Yes. Because what yes. you see there will be like, oh. But I want to come back to something, Jordan, because you've talked about, um, you just even said it just a little while ago, about control. And I feel like, oh, mm-hmm. this is something so many of us, especially people that come from um, families, you know, generational trauma and addiction and so forth, and that are, and, you know, let's face it, an addict is trying to control outcomes. Right. It's, it's unconscious. It's not effective. It's um, self-sabotaging. But I would love for you to talk about your anorexia, because that also, I think, is so relatable. And you've been, again, generous with how open you've been. And I, I do think, again, back to us, when when I think about it, your tango, these stories that we publish that people are writing us letters and thanking us and same in your comments for telling the truth, having the courage to share these things that are so common the mm-hmm. common thing we keep hearing is, oh my gosh, thank you, because you've reminded me that I'm not alone. And when I think about yeah. 
how these insidious control issues come out and things like anorexia that are so common. I would just love you to talk about what that experience was like and how you overcame it. Um, so I grew up as a high achieving only child to, you know, it with generational, plenty of generational trauma in there and, and wasn't, wasn't, didn't think about my weight was very, you know, at all. I just didn't, it wasn't an issue. And then I went to Hollywood after graduating from college and became an actress. And, um, for someone who is used to being able to, you know, if I study hard, I'll get an A. Yeah. Um, I, I know how to control good outcomes in my life, just work really hard and do a good job. And yep. unfortunately, in the acting industry, that's just, they're like, I, we, you know, honestly, we wanted a brunette, you know, <laughs> and you're like, uh, uh, I can dye my hair. And they're like, eh. yeah. Like, so it doesn't, the amount of work you put in doesn't feel like it in any way has uh, a direct relationship to the pay. Mm-hmm. And that's in so many creative industries, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and so I began to look at the starlets of the time, which this was the early 2000s. And we all remember like Lindsay Lohan and Mary Kate Ashley Olsen. And right. it was, it, that was the, the look. Mm-hmm. was, And they were getting attention, remember. And remember what I wanted was attention. Right. I wanted someone to pay attention to me, give me the job, listen to me. So I lost weight. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where uh, my hair fell out. I didn't have my period for like oh. almost two years. Guess what happened? I went from getting best friend roles to leading lady roles. Like that. Oh my God. Overnight. Overnight. Oh. And, I mean, I'm sorry, not roles, audition. Let's yeah. be clear. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't okay. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually successful. But, and it was, it was just, uh, and I was dying. Like mm. I, uh, was fainting and getting I like broke a rim from coughing because I had pneumonia oh like, my gosh no and and you were killing yourself on the, I was killing myself but on the outside everyone was like what's your secret and uh, it self-sabotage was, oh, oh my God. yeah oh shit it was terrifying and um I wish I had a, a better you know I, I I didn't go to treatment I I I literally got bored of myself mm. I was like I think about food all day it is so boring and I'm so hungry mm. <laughs> and I, I just was like I, I just don't think that I care anymore and I, I just I wish I had a better you know takeaway for like mm-hmm. how to, for how to help if that's happening to you but um, I know that the the, the lack of agency in my life to to create the situations that I wanted to create. And I, I felt powerless to do anything. Mm-hmm. And so that is very, very clearly where that came from. Mm-hmm. And once I was able to start writing and sharing my voice and, and sharing about this, uh, it, it takes away its power in a really significant way. Yeah. Um, to, to, to say the hard thing out loud, mm-hmm. I think is to reclaim its power over you. Mm, yeah, 100%. Well, what's so fascinating to me about this is just it's like having trust. And you said it a little, you know, toward the beginning of our conversation. And I think I followed up. I said, oh, the best is yet to come. Having that trust that um, your destiny wasn't to be a- an actor in Hollywood. And by the way, you're still young. Maybe you will be. I don't even know if that's what you want to do anymore. But it, it feels like there is a, a wisdom and a grace to say, 
okay, I went for it. And where it led me to was this path that ultimately, I mean, you you embraced it and you you healed from it. Like, I feel like there is something um, really affirming in that, right? And it didn't kill you, right? And here you are, super yeah. successful and and influential. Like, you, you got what you wanted. You wanted to have a voice. And I would contend, I mean, there are so many amazing actors who, who say wonderful things and look great. And then there are many that, that don't, that are completely, you know, they're, they're devoid of the kind of influence you have. So, I mean, props to you because you did it. Thank you. You did what you wanted to do. Thank you. It, brings, uh, it is an interesting thing. And I bet this is something that you guys can relate to at this juncture in life. I, I've been struggling with this lately. It's like, I, I kind of did, I did the thing. Like I talked about, like I was saying, I'm tired of hearing my own opinions about stuff. Yeah. Like I sort of did so much of that. And so now what? Yeah. And that, and and it's hard. And I have to remember I'm 42. To me, that feels like, obviously I'm like, I'm ancient, but it's, I, I have another, you know, a life, baby. whole yeah. other life yeah, you do. to live. And what do I want to do with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I truly, 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 truly don't know. And that's such mm-hmm. a, uh, that's such a luxury and such a privilege, the mm-hmm. luxury of our uh, choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be so deeply paralyzing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I remember thinking about that when we, um, when we decided to uh, buy our first house, like when our son was one and it was like, how do we pick? Like, how do you pick where you want to live when maybe you want to live in Italy? I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe Spain's really nice. I don't know. When you're just starting out, it can feel very scary to to start down a road. And I'm sort of feeling that at this juncture as well. Can like, I give you my advice? Yes, my please. Thoughts? Do you know, yeah. um, you know, Lao Tzu, uh, that famous, I think, uh, Chinese philosopher, he talks about, I'll have to send you the book, but chop wood, carry water. And I come back to that every day and you're like, okay, what does that even mean? It's like you're doing the work of life and it's almost like it doesn't matter, right? I mean, this is a, it's like he's, I think he, oh. he's, it's Taoism, right? And I, you know, I feel like there's so much in like Buddhist philosophy that it's like, you know what? You can do it in Canada. You can do it in Italy. You can do it here where I live in beautiful Colorado. It's like, it doesn't matter, right? And to me, because I have to, you know, as a control, like somebody who's had major control issues and all the oh, dysfunction that I've had to deal with, it's like, I, I'll come back to myself because I give myself a fucking long list. I have to say it that, that time, like every day, you know, I am giving myself an impossible set of things to do and then I don't get them done. And then I say, like, oh, what what do I need to choose? And it's like, Andrea, chop wood, carry water. Like, you're going to get done what needs to get done. Have that trust. And and it's like they're enough. It's like for hardworking, intentional people like us where, okay, we may not get it right in air quotes every day, but it's like, like, why are we judging every single step of the way? You know what I mean? Like, it, it's like they say the... Um, the arc of justice or the arc of the universe is long, but it but it arcs toward justice. And there's that feeling of for me that it's just like there isn't just one answer. There are so many Urgh. paths that work. And having that yeah. that profound sense of trust to say, I can do this beautifully wherever. And there are so many, you know, so many career paths, so many choices, so many, you know what I mean? And so that oh, where it's like, you know, I'm I feel like kind of uh, being uh, again a little bit repetitive here, but 
Well, I'll tell you, I had a really game-changing conversation with a friend who is in a like very conscious polyamorous marriage. And mm-hmm. my marriage was really struggling. And it struggles on and off. We're like two traumatized people who are just actively yeah. trying not to traumatize each other more. And so I was telling him, I was like, well, how do I decide if I really want to be married forever? And how I how do I decide if this, you know, what if polyamory is the answer? What if it's what if it's a way that we distract ourselves? And I had all these things. And he goes, what if this is not the season to decide? Right. And I was like, such yeah. a relief. Like, oh, yes. uh, uh, this do you is want not to do that today to decide. Yeah, I, yeah. it doesn't for <laughs> right now. If I don't have the answer and I have a million questions and I don't even know where to start, this is not the season to decide. And that mm, has been that. helping me so much. It's stuck yeah, with me for back so to long. What we were saying, like, yeah. you're allowed to rest. I don't have to pick my next iteration yes. every day. Yeah, I can carry yes. carry water and chop wood. <laughs> yes, yes, and exactly. it's like you're doing it right Lao now. Tzu. You're doing mm. your next thing right now, even if yeah. it's not the next thing in ten years. And like goes back to to what the person told you at the retreat. And we talked to so many therapists who talk about our traumatized child or our Terry Reels is the adaptive child. I loved that person telling you there's also this future self. We can look at the adaptive child and be a good parent to that person inside of us. But I also love the idea of like beaming forward to this wise me who can talk to today's me the way I can talk to my adaptive child me. It's fair. That's beautiful. Um, I've yeah. so much wisdom. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, hard, hard fought, lots of lots of courage. So um, we often ask about um, people going against the grain. Right. And back to, you know, it's like it's so easy to go with a with a uh, popular uh, opinion or, um, you know, be the people pleasers. But so often it's when we we have the courage to go against the grain or to have a a bit of a perception that's not as popular. Is there something that kind of in your work that you're just like, oh, this is the thing that I just I feel kind of passionate. That is that is a little unpopular that you'd want to share with us. Oh, gosh, I mean. I think when I was uh, first starting out as an, as an actress, I was like, I really like writing and I really like photography and I really like this and that. And my aunt said to me, um, oh, you just have to pick, just pick, pick. Mm. And she was wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, you're actually, actually, wrong. Sorry, yeah, sorry, did not like really super did not have to pick. Yeah. Um, and so I, and I think that's like the, the control thing. I want to be like, well, this is the next step and this is the trajectory. My career has never followed anything approaching a trajectory. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess it's like, yes, overall it's gone in a nice direction, but it hasn't been like nothing that I has happened was something I could have ever seen coming ever in a million. Yeah. Years. Mm-hmm. I would never have predicted any of this. Um, and so I met this, Chen um, on Raya, I met this director and we decided not to date, but we became writing partners. And now I write horror movies. So wow. that was okay. a weird left turn. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't, and I, you know, people in my life are like, excuse me, what? Like, yeah. is someone paying you? And I was like, no, I'm just <laughs> going to write them. And, <laughs> and, and my, my ever like, are you sure? Shouldn't you like maybe, I don't know, like 
do with the thing that you've done. <laughs> I can, you know, make a living as a cow. Um, and it's going like really well. And, and, you know, my life, my philosophy from when I was quite young was always just say yes. Like if someone mm -hmm. asks you to like go hang out, just say yes. Like mm -hmm. even if you don't. And I, I, I've softened that because I never mm -hmm. want to go out ever. So I don't say <laughs> yes to that. But um, when presented with a cool new opportunity, like I can do it. Like try it. Just yeah. Say yes. What yeah. is the worst that can happen? And so it's, it's been really, um, yeah, I just, I know that I don't, I know that I don't follow a traditional <laughs> or really well thought out <laughs> on hand. Well, good but for you. I, I mean, you I, again, it, it takes a lot of courage, right? And, you know, it's like you, I feel like you've mastered hustle culture and, and, you know, and your work is so beneficial, but it's a good segue. I wanted to ask about your first feature film going into production with award-winning writer and director, John Asher. Is that a thing? Am I getting That's that right? That's a thing, yeah. Right. yeah. That, well, what, yeah. What is, that the is it? A horror, is it a horror movie? <laughs> it's, a, it's Bigfoot. Oh, that's Oh cool. my gosh. Tell us. I'm so excited. Oh my God, um, tell. There's never, been, there's never been a scary Bigfoot. Okay. And the the lore, surround, I'm very interested in like horror. This is such a dorky, dorky thing to say, but I'm just very interested in like Don't horror judge lore it. and yeah. And um, oh my the, God, it's the like background a bad genre these days. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I just, I wrote, it was his story and I wrote it and it's a really, really scary Bigfoot. And so it, I don't know. I don't, I stay out of the business side. So there are other people dealing with dropping it around to people and there's a studio that I don't know. I'm not, I'm not privy to that stuff. Right. That sounds incredible but, though. I, yeah. I love that it's like the, you've got this thing that everyone knows about. So it's like, oh, it's the Bigfoot horror movie or it's a scary movie about Bigfoot. And everyone's like, oh, I instantly, instantly know what that is. You know, you didn't have to yeah. reinvent the wheel, you know? It's so weird because uh, I also write um, some horror stuff with a buddy of mine. And we were just talking about how there hasn't been anything not only good Bigfoot related, but like doing it scary. And we were kind of joking around about like, oh, you could actually do that pretty well. And then you literally are shopping that around right now. That's so weird. That's like such a weird little kismet moment. It's in the zeitgeist. That's so yeah. funny. I noticed I said the word Bigfoot and you were like, Bing. Yeah, Brian popped <laughs> in. Or like, well, well, no, was Brian because you were already here. saying you're a horror writer. And I was like, well, that's already a weird little common thread we share. And then you were talking about Bigfoot. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's so weird. Well, that's, that's the thing about being the type of women who do a whole bunch of different things or a man too. But like you see yeah. it less with women is it's like, we, we, Jordan can talk to us about, you know, heartbreak, divorce, parenting, whatever. And then also when you do a million different things and don't pick one path, up, pro yeah, up pops producer Brian and he's like, let's talk about horror films. There's always that little thread you can pull with so many different people when you actually allow yourself to do a bunch of kind of wild things, right? I agree. And I always find that a little bit stressful because when you meet a new person, you're like, no, 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 no. I swear there's more than the thing that you see. I swear. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently, there is a very close link between uh, horror and comedy aficionados <laughs> yep. because both serve as a form of anxiety relief. So oh, people wow. with very high anxiety levels tend to very much enjoy both of those genres, which I find They're also very both intrinsically um, uh, reliant on timing. Oh, yeah. Like yes. Both horror and comedy need yeah, timing yeah. to succeed. I could see that. <gasps> well, we should just touch on this since we're talking about the entertainment industry. 
when we did our prep call to talk about Jordan, two of the people who were on the prep call were so excited because they found out you were the original D on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I don't watch the show, so don't worry. We're not going to dive into it too deeply. But (laughs) we were very excited to learn that you'd had this history in TV. And since we know each other in real life, I didn't know you'd done that. So, like, is there a story behind that? No, not really. Um, yeah, I mean, I was involved. Uh, we we were all friends back in L.A. and we uh, the four of us and shot, you know, a couple of demo pilots and then FX picked like literally like in my apartment, like I held the boom and someone else. acted, wow. And then uh, FX bought it and then we shot a real pilot. And then I ended up being replaced with Caitlin Olsen, who is just a brilliant comedic actress. And I was replaced. So after the pilot was shot and it was due to a confluence of very complicated personal circumstances uh-huh. with, you know, involving breakups and what can you do? But yeah. uh, so it went from being um, that sort of precipitated my departure from Hollywood because it 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 was like, yeah, I finally got the thing. I got the thing. I got the big part. Oh, like, yeah. oh my God, everything's going to be fine now. And then to not continue on with the show. Oh. It's not just crushing. It's like being the fifth Beatle. I was like, mm. I'm the fifth Beatle. <laughs> I am. I, you know, yeah, no, sure. Yeah, uh, I have that one too. Um, and then I, you know, was sort of bumping around. I, my manager fired me. My agent fired me. Oh, good Lord. And I was bumping around Hollywood and I got this, um, my agent fired me later. So she, she sent me on this audition um, for a Ron Jeremy vehicle. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. Called for the One-eyed young people Monster. listening, that is a pornographic actor who was very famous uh, in the seventies and eighties. Actual predator. It was called One-eyed Monster. It was. She called did say one-eyed it was called One-eyed Monster. Monster. That's what we just heard. Yes, sir. That, that's accurate. So it was about a group of porn stars who are stranded on a snowy mountaintop when a alien life force invades Ron Jeremy's penis, no! which breaks what? off. No, attacks the porn stars through various bodily orifices. I swear to you, it's like, like a movie. You can like rent a... it. It's out. It's out. And they and my agent's like, Jordan, they really want you for this. And I was like, wow. I think I I think I quit. Oh, God. I'm out. Oh, I'm I mean, out. Bye. <laughs> well, good for you to just say, you know what? Thank that, you. you know, I'm, my integrity is worth a lot. And so I mean, it's not worth that much. I wouldn't be like, I'm, if I, if I was 25 years old right now, I'd, I'd be on OnlyFans. But it was mm-hmm. just, oh, it gosh. was also just a really bad script. Yeah. I'm oh, wow. Porter. Well, but like, I'm sure if it was like, what's the one where um, Seth Rogen and some beautiful actress did like, it was like Zach and Mary shoot a porno or something. And mm-hmm. I'm sure if it was like that, where it was a really good script and it was funny and it was about human relationships and had some depth it's not like you're like i would never lower myself you're saying this was not a good script and it was gross and like you had a different ridiculous it was it was it was it was gross it was pretty bad yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) i tried watching it one night actually in a hotel room i was like i can't it's too bad like not a cult classic just just bad so was that that was what helped you feel like okay it's okay for me to be done with this phase in my life or is that was yeah, that earlier kind of I, it was it was it was the double whammy of losing the show and then oh and walking around town and seeing your ex-boyfriend and your friends on billboard mm. with it that that took a very long time to recover from um, yeah. but what helped was 
helping, not just helped, like I would never have written the books that I've written and connected with all the people I connected with. And I know that that people, you know, a lot of people are like, well, but surely you wish that you had been, you know, made millions of dollars and were famous on this show. And I'm like, yeah, not really. Mm-hmm. We all like, we all think life would be easier if if that big success thing had happened. But it's always like, you don't know what else would have changed. What do they have that, that butterfly effect or whatever? So, okay, so I you, say you start. Yes. Yeah, say you had married whomever it was that you were dating, whatever it was. That you can't even ponder it when it comes down to it because what would be different? What different children would you have? Would you not have? To, would you not be a mom? Would you not live here? Would we not be met, be friends? Who knows? I mean, would I you was die? I was literally I anorexia. put in my notes for today's. I, yeah, I was. I think about that often. I think yeah. I'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I when I, I think, think I would about... have gone. For, I was also doing drugs at the time. Oh, mm-hmm. um, I was very in the Hollywood thing, and mm-hmm. I think becoming successful would have been a death yeah, sentence no, honestly, I, I at mean, that point I, in my life I, yeah like to me I love I feel like going back even to that story that the woman that you befriended that was a troll and how that helped you become so much wiser and more emotionally mature I mean it feels like that you know that too it, it, so often I feel like the the thing that we we so desperately want when we don't get it if we have that wisdom and trust that um and can just be a little patient that we can see oh okay that's why this wasn't supposed yeah. to happen in this other thing and you know we can we can self-sabotage and just pine for the past and just wish that thing happened but it's like it to, did it yeah and it's like yeah, okay it so now happen. there's this other amazing you know mm-hmm. amazing outcome that we can embrace uh-huh. and own right and so i just that i feel like you're so much of what your um you know story after story that you share just it feels like it's the you know the, kind of the ultimate empowerment like all right well this this is what i'm going to do with this setback and you know i'm just i'm i'm really inspired by that and it's ongoing it feel like right empowering it is mm-hmm. ongoing that's what i was going to say so the 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 constant reinvention and the saying yes and the the acknowledging the butterfly effect i was i was thinking this morning so joanna and i met through a friend connected us over uh text message I am yeah. not in the habit of going out to dinner, like <laughs> generally, and certainly not with people I don't know. Like, why? And I was like, I like her. And we went out to dinner. Oh, nice. And now we're friends. And now I'm here talking to you. And I, who knows what the next, what that, what ripple effect. And you totally. just don't know. Like all of these yeah. small yeses. You got to be open to it, They right? add up. That's the, that's the yeah. point. To, you know, and for you us, know your, open like, our hearts. The interesting thing about us too is that the friend that connected us is the least bullshit artist person you'll ever meet. And so oh, when nice. you have those people in your life, you learn to value them. Right. But when she says, you, you have their to judgment. Jordan, I'm like, I must actually have to meet Jordan. And that's that other thing about being present in your life. It's like, if Jen says I have to do something, I probably have to do it. And thank goodness, because mm-hmm. then I met Jordan. I trusted sure. her on that, because I too don't want to leave my house. <laughs> too no. much to do. We have too much yeah. to do. Okay, we oh. got to wrap up. Speaking of too much to do, we got to wrap this show. <laughs> Jordan, you are wonderful. I am so glad thank to have you. met you. Thank you so much for your incredible work, your writing, for all your openness and courage on our show. I look forward to having you back. I look forward to it. Does, it, does your new film have a name yet or is it just uh, Scary Bigfoot? The it's working just title. Just Bigfoot. Scary oh. Bigfoot. Oh, oh, just Bigfoot. I know. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right, well, I we're going to look and forward I have to-, to I have to mention that we have a series of humor books, big activity books. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank for you. For divorce. 
there's for divorced people, teacher people, anxious people, pregnant people, digital detox, there's companion journals. And since we're leading up to the holidays, this is our like, get your bestie yep. the anxiety book. I'm buying everybody the digital detox book for Christmas. Oh. Just so you know, I'm literally ordering so six. What's the website for that? Oh. And, well, Amazon or wherever books are sold. Yeah, go to Amazon. Oh, and oh my gosh, it is amazing to see you have thousands of very positive reviews. It's so impressive hey. to see this series hitting such a strong chord with people. I feel like it's so actionable and valuable to people. So congratulations. It's it's not easy what? to write one successful book. It's uh, even harder to write many successful books. So congratulations. Thank you, guys. It's such a pleasure talking to you. All right, come back to Open Relationships. That's our show, folks. Thank you, thank you. And uh, let's see, we are going to um, remind everybody, if you want to email us, you can email us at openrelationships at yourtango.com. We would be so grateful if you followed us, if you liked us, if you leave comments for us. We'll, we'll take it all. If you don't love what you're hearing or seeing, let us know. We want to make it better for you. Give us advice. Uh, give us advice. Yeah, we'll take that advice. Um, and um, and subscribe on YouTube or iHeart or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, that's it. Uh, this is uh, a wrap for Open Relationships, Transforming Together. See you guys next time.